Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome to the latest episode of the Inside Brockle podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Jackson, and I'm joined, as always, by Ryan Hildred. Ryan, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Elliot. I am day one on a week off with the kids, so looking forward to some family time. Yes, I mean that. I am looking I don't think you mean that. <laughs> I do. I, I do mean it. Obviously, round off Good Friday as well uh, with Rovers. So looking forward to this week. More importantly, how are you doing? Did you survive Dublin? I did, just about. Um, I was a, a shadow of my former self for most of the back end of last week and then managed to pull myself together by the time I went back to work on Thursday and obviously at the game on Friday, uh, on Saturday, sorry. All the, all the days blended into one quite clearly. Um, but yeah, it was very good. And they put me through my paces. We went to Dublin, as we said on the last podcast, and um, I'm probably not going to have another drink until the wedding, which is not till the end of May. So <laughs> that probably sums up how my, uh, my five-day bender went. But yeah, it was good fun. Um, would definitely recommend Dublin. I've been twice now, so I'd definitely recommend that to anyone that's wanting a decent weekend getaway or stag do or anything of, of that sort of nature. It was it was well worth the trip and uh, a lot of fun. Unfortunately, something that wasn't well worth the trip was my journey to Birmingham City on Saturday. Certainly wasn't for the thousands of Blackburn Rose fans that got stuck on the M6 um, with two accidents. There was talk about delaying kickoff, but that didn't happen in the end. As it was, they didn't miss a great deal. A 1-0 defeat to Birmingham City. A slip-up in the uh, a bump in the road, as Yondal Thompson described it. It's now three defeats in four in all competitions. And this was a really disappointing one. You, I left St Andrews very much with the feeling of, God, that was a missed opportunity. They were lucky, obviously, as we'll come on to, that results went their favour elsewhere. And it was particularly disappointing because they actually made quite a bright start to the game. Joe Rankin-Costello played very central, very much back to how they were playing with a back three in possession. Carter on the right, Pickering took her in, tucking him round the left. JRC very much moving into midfield. And we had the Birmingham analysts behind us in the press box. And literally every single thing that JRC did, they were like, oh, he's running the game. We need to get him under control. And Rovers dominated that first 20 minutes. They had a lot of the a lot of the territory without creating too much clear cut. They had a couple of little sniffs, but John Ruddy was in very good form. But they didn't work him well enough, and they didn't really capitalise on that bright start. And then Birmingham started to come back into the game a lot more. Um, they, they had a couple of big chances. There was Travis nearly put into his own net, which hit the post and was then clawed away by Ainsley Pears, who also pulled off a good save to deny Lukas Jukovic. So after a good start, it was sort of very level at half time and, and it felt very much like Rovers had an opportunity to kick on in that second half, Ryan. 
Yeah, and I think my my overwhelming feeling with this one, Elliot, if we stick with the parenting theme as it's the school Easter holidays, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. <laughs> and, and, and that's the word that you said earlier, isn't it? Because what an opportunity. We said on the last pod about the results and the fact that teams are going to be playing each other and some teams on paper had a tough game, all of those things. Opportunity was the order of the day. And yeah, maybe we did ride our luck in that first half. Um, how Lewis Travis hasn't scored an own goal, I will never know. And Pears has made a really good save from Jukovic as well. That is a really good save. You know, I, I, the power that he's got behind that shot. It was a really that, good strike. I thought Pickering should have probably got a little bit tighter to him in, yeah. the, in the box to get a shot away. But the, the touch and control it was, was very, very good. Yeah, absolutely. So probably looking not to be behind at half time. But when you're going in nil-nil, as you say, this is where teams going for the top six, you raise it. You go to that next level. You blow the team away in that second half. And I think it's fair to say that we didn't really see that. We'll probably talk about the goal in the moment. Certainly when the goal went in as well, we didn't really see that type of response. So it's, as I say, not anger. It's disappointment that we've not taken advantage of the opportunity and disappointment that, again, 1-0 is, is order of the day to beat Rovers. You know, it's it's quite a simple result for another team in the championship. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Rovers had probably the best two chances fell to Ryan Hedges before the goal, one well saved by Ruddy, which which was a difficult angle he couldn't have really done a lot more with. Then a second one, which probably would have been a goal of the season contender, which was right behind where we were in the press spot, so we got a good angle of, of the ball flying towards the top corner. It was definitely going in. Great save by Ruddy to tip it wide. And you're just thinking, oh, this is going to be a scrappy 1-0 one way or the other. It was a very even contest. And I think the frustration is it was very much a game that if you can't win it, don't lose it because it was it was just scrappy. It wasn't a Blackburn Rovers not turning up at Stoke, for example, recently or um, unlucky against Sheffield United. It was just a scrappy, bog-standard championship game which you just need to come out of with something to show for it. As it was, conceded, of course, around the hour mark. Corner comes in, half cleared to the edge of the box. And in fairness, it's a really good strike by Redicadra. Obviously, it had to be him. That's the second time he scored against Rovers this season. Tell you what, he was having an absolute shocker up until then as well. He got hooked off about two minutes later after he scored. It was not a good game for him, but he did the damage. And once again, as you say, Rovers huffed and puffed, but they just didn't create loads. They had enough efforts on goal to warrant an equaliser, but they didn't have any, like, there was no massive miss or huge chance wasted that we can discuss in terms of um, poor finishing. I suppose the best chance was the link-up between Brereton Diaz and Bradley Dak, where Brereton comes inside, reverse ball into Dak, decent first touch, through the legs of Ruddy, comes off the post and squirms across the goal line. And that was really it. And that that's probably the biggest disappointment for me. Yeah, and it's quite a funny game, this one, isn't it? Because we've had plenty of games this season where, you know, Rovers haven't really, uh, or we've probably had more chances and had a really low XG and, and things like that. Actually, this game, if you look at the pure stats, it seems like we've got in some really good positions and the XG's high. But you're right, those real clear-cut opportunities, those chances where you're like, oh, what a miss that is, that's not how I'm feeling about this game. You know, and huff and puff is, is the right word. Um, uh, and the disappointing thing for me is, even though we haven't had those real clear-cut chances, the XG is actually pretty high in this game. So with the things that you're saying about JRC running the show, and we are making those chances, but am I walking away from St. Andrews? Am I thinking about this game that, oh, what a chance that was? Probably not. And we know what Birmingham are like at St. Andrews. We know what teams are going to do against Rovers this season. You've got to raise it. So yeah, when we've gone 1-0 down, a point in the championship at this stage of the season is still a really important point. 
And we've spoken about our goal difference. We can't be level with anyone at the end of the season, level on points because of our goal difference. So actually, whether it's nil-nil, whether it's 1-1, let's just get away from St Andrews with the points. So you're right, Elliot. I think that's the most disappointing thing for me, that yeah, Kadra scored. Yeah, he's done really well with the chance. It's the bit that we've just not raised it. We brought on Sorba Thomas. We brought on Brereton Diaz, etc. These are good players coming off the bench. You and I were just reflecting before going live about a different game in 2014 where the bench was horrific. I've seen Rovers at times in the championship where the bench is horrific. I don't think you can label that at Rovers anymore. We have got players that on their day should come on and make an impact. And you have to say, I don't think they really did. And and that's the disappointing thing about the 1-0 that I'm talking about, that the players that we're thinking that are going to come on and make an impact, those tactical tweaks that JDT could make, we're just not seeing that impact. And and it's disappointment, as I say. I'm not going to sit here and be angry because there's still football to be played. The gap is still four points. We've got the opportunity against Norwich on Good Friday. So I'm not going to sit here and be angry. But yeah, disappointing is is the overwhelming feeling. And even a point would have been a good point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I commented before the game that it was probably the strongest bench that Rovers have had for a little while with the injuries that they've had, bringing Bradley Dak back, albeit not fully fit. Ben Brereton Diaz on the bench, albeit not fully fit. And Thompson, to be fair, admitted after the game that he probably wouldn't have even brought either of them and would have left them on the bench had they obviously been winning or, or had he got more options. So maybe a slight, not dig, but a slight reflection on the lack of uh, striker signed in January and with Jack Vale injured as well. He, everyone has their views on Jack Vale, but equally he, he would be another body and another option to play up front. Probably makes the decision not to have at some point given Harry Leonard a bit of a go, a bit more confusing because he didn't play for the under-21s who won at West Ham because they had an internal game on Sunday the decision to save a footballer to play in an internal game above playing for the 21s who are trying to stay up is is one thing, but you probably could argue that maybe he should have been given a go on the bench if Brereton Diaz and Dak both weren't really fit. Yeah, and you see these stories in football all the time. I think the one in, in recent times where obviously they've gone on and, and done massive things is someone like Marcus Rashford, who, because of all the injuries in that Man United squad all those years ago, he got his chance and he took it. And as you say, what's the worst that could be done away at St Andrews in a really turgid game, a game where we're not fashioning those chances? Why not give a a Roy of the Rovers type story the chance to happen by bringing someone like Harry Leonard on? I've got no doubt, you know, Sam Gallagher has been on loan at Birmingham. Birmingham City know all about Sam Gallagher. Some of these other players coming on, those Birmingham defenders, they know about Blackburn Rovers players because they see them week in, week out in the championship. Bring on someone like Harry Leonard who will just do something different, something that they've not seen before. They've not been able to track his movement or watch the videos on him. He might just get that little chance in the box and and make himself a hero and, and get the draw for Rovers. So I would have brought him on because, as you say, <laughs> why take him otherwise? And with Jack Vale injured, even more of an opportunity for him. So it is disappointing because now Norwich at home, you know, that's a big game to be bringing someone like Harry Leonard into it. And then we've spoken about the other games that we've got coming up, you know, Preston away, Burnley at home, Luton and Millwall. You know, is Harry Leonard going to play in those games? So I think time's running out for Leonard to be given a chance this season. So if you're not going to do it at Birmingham away, then where, when are you going to do it? Yeah, I think totally. I think just to have him on the... If you know Burton Diaz is not fit and you know Dak's not fit and we didn't know how fit they were, really. We were just guessing from what Thompson had said pretty much. But for him to go straight after the final whistle... I probably shouldn't have brought either of them on. 
probably says, well, why, why not just put him on the bench if he's using great? And if not, then have him in the match day squad. He didn't even travel. It was it was uh, Adam Wharton. Well, he might have travelled, but he wasn't 19th man. Adam Wharton was the, the spare man had anyone got injured in the warm-up. You spoke about Sober Thomas. I was really disappointed with him when he came on. I thought he really struggled against Austin Trusty, who is a very good and mobile centre-back, but ultimately a centre-back playing at left-back and on a yellow card. And I thought he gave him a really easy ride. And it just felt for me like a lot of players, again, let the game pass them by. Sam Gallag was absolutely anonymous. I think he had 18 touches in the entirety of the game. Now, there is a bit of chicken and egg with someone like Gallagher. Is he getting the service? Is he doing enough to show for the ball and, and do it well enough when he has got the ball? So there's always going to be some chicken and egg when you've got a centre forward playing up front on his own. But players like Ryan Hedges, has he put his hand up enough to say he should be starting? He played pretty well at Sheffield United. He played pretty well at Leicester, but he's just a little bit of a nearly man for me. He does some really nice touches and some really nice bits of play, but is he going to score the goals? Is he going to get that decisive touch to get you back in the game? Yes, he did it against Reading, I appreciate, very recently, but that's the only really time he's done it this season. He scored three league goals. That's that's not good enough for a player of his quality who's played the amount of minutes he has, in my opinion. Look at someone like Dolan on the opposite side. His numbers are far better. Now, there's no real reason. It's not Tyrus Dolan is not a miles better footballer, certainly not technically, than, than Ryan Hedges. They have different skill sets, but that's just one example. For the midfield again, I think we're talking, we've got to talk about Tyler Morton again. His performances have been up and down. I know that a lot of people weren't happy with his antics and the way he went down against Sheffield United, but I actually thought he had a decent game. I actually thought he played quite well against Reading as well. But there's just no consistency in those performances. And I wrote earlier in the, um, or I think I said it actually in my in my post-match video from St Andrews, if Rovers were only going to bring in one central midfielder this this summer, which they, they were adamant they always wanted to do, to do because they wanted to keep the pathways clear for Jake Garrett and Adam Wharton, was Tyler Morton really the right selection? Now, no doubt he's a quality player, but we've spoke about the similarities of him, Buckley, Wharton. And if you were only going to bring in one, should you have brought in someone a bit more experienced or, or with a different skill set? Because those minutes that Morton's had, could they have gone to Buckley or Wharton or Garrett? And has Morton made that much of a difference in the quality of what Blackburn have had in midfield. I would have to say no, I'm afraid. And I don't mean to sound harsh. I totally understand it's his first loan. He's a young lad. But when you sign someone from the pedigree of Liverpool, who's so highly rated, and you're putting them ahead of your own similar skill-setted academy talents, I'm afraid the scrutiny's got to be there. And his it's, it's performances have fluctuated too much this season for me to say that that has been a successful loan deal. I think you're right with with what you just ended that with there, that if you're essentially blocking your own academy with with someone from Liverpool, then they've got to be playing well. And I think he's had a real season of two halves for me. When he first came in, I thought he looked brilliant. Um, he was doing, you know, little flicks and tricks in midfield, holding the ball really well, making things happen. But as we've got towards this kind of business end of the season, um, you know, particularly after the World Cup and, and Christmas breaks as well, um, I think he's really been found wanting in, in quite a few of the games. And this is some of it is to do with age. You know, I'm not about to just sit here and slag off a, a 20 year old footballer who's still got a lot to learn about the game. This is where I think, you know, you mentioned it on the previous podcast that we recorded. This is where you need your experienced championship head alongside you to just be guiding someone like Tyler Morton. And there's plenty of players that you could pick up and, and look at. Um, I look at someone like, you know, someone like Alan Campbell at Luton. Yeah. Not a household name, 
not many players, or not many fans outside of the championship will probably tell you who Alan Campbell is. Not many players will, uh, not many fans in the championship will tell you who Alan Campbell is. But what a workhorse of a player that Luton have got there. And I just think someone like that with a little bit of I championship think really now. the boat with Josh mm. Warren in the summer. Even someone you like said Rin- that. Rinomoto, who's not played a great deal at Cardiff this season in a struggling Cardiff side, a little bit different. And I, as I yeah. say, I don't think this is necessarily a Tyler Morton issue individually, but was he the right profile of player? Was he the right profile of age to come into the current midfield setup? If you're only going to bring in one midfielder, and that that is more, I'm sure Tyler Morton could go next season, go on loan somewhere. Yeah. Or he could have played in Sheffield United's team instead of Ollie Norwood, for example, and look like Pirlo. But yeah. it, I just it wasn't quite the right fit. And, and that's what we're talking about here. It's the fact that they're all together and you need the one who's kind of the polar opposite of all of them. And I think this is probably the element of Travis's game because he's a young captain as, as well. You know, what's Travis, 23, 24? Put a 28, 29, 30-year-old Lewis Travis alongside a, a 20-year-old Tyler Morton, we might see something different. So Travis is still learning these parts of the game. So when it's games where we're doing well or we're winning or it's at Ewood Park or whatever probably quite easy for Travis and Morton to be that pairing. But when you're having not a very good game as a team at St. Andrews, the whole team, not Tyler Morton, when we're not playing very well, when we've gone 1-0 down, this is where you need those championship heads to just guide those other players through, where Tyler Morton might be finding it difficult, little word in the ear, those types of things. Lewis Travis is probably doing some of those things. But I just think... uh, a really ugly championship player. And I'm sorry, Alan Campbell, for naming you, but just someone like that, someone who's just going to graft and do all of that type of stuff, who's been there, done it, got the T-shirt. No, I, I tend to agree as well. Um, in terms of some positives, I thought the two centre-halves were pretty outstanding. They were definitely Blackburn's best players, which probably says a lot about what fell apart in front of them. Those were definitely issues. I thought Hayden Carter in particular of the two was, was absolutely flawless. Dom Hyam rock solid as well. Pairs justified the decision to play ahead of Kaminsky, which I, I thought was the right decision and have said so ever since the international break. So he got some of the decisions right in, in those aspects. It was just the final third. It just didn't click. I know there's been a lot of calls for Adam Wharton again since the, the defeat. I've got some quotes coming out from Yondal Thompson about that in the morning, if you're listening on Monday. Um, he just wants more from him in training. He's basically fourth choice at the minute. It's a frustration because obviously he played. He started four in a row. I think it was his best run in October. Particularly the whole game springs to mind where he played really well. Played that lovely little reverse pass for Smodix to score the winner. And I just think they are missing a little bit of creativity in that in that position. Morton is a similarish player, but probably I'd say Morton's got better ball carrying ability. And they're just not quite gelled in that central midfield area all season. I think by the fact that everyone's played and been out of favour at different periods shows he's never been able to quite settle. Travis has been the only one that generally has been the first choice, but even he had to spell out the team. So it's really difficult. I, I would like to see more of Adam Wharton between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I would as well. Uh, and I think the ball carrying is is the bit that we do miss in those areas. And I think it's actually some of the stuff that John Buckley that does quite quietly. I don't think you ever see Buckley go on a, a massive marauding run in the way that Adam Wharton might. But I think Buckley's really good at doing those types of things and just moving us up the pitch. So maybe we're missing that a little bit as well, because Tyler Morton's more of a player that will just get his foot on the ball and try and find the pass rather than moving forward. So I would want to see Adam Wharton, but I trust JDT's judgment. You know, we've trusted it all season. He's done really well rotating players in and out of the squad this season, largely to good effect with where we find ourselves in the table. So if he wants some more from Adam Wharton, 
then I trust that he's not given it. But I just think the more we look vulnerable in that central midfield area, the more that the eyes are on Tyler Morton's, uh, Tyler Morton's performances, then I think those calls for Adam Morton are justified. And we love the homegrown player. We, we absolutely love it. And I, I think we do need to see him. And if not Adam Morton, why not Jake Garrett alongside Lewis Travis? You know, let's see one of them, particularly whilst Morton is, is not in the best run of form at the moment. A little bit of concern about the record from behind, which has been all the, the case all season. They've only taken one point from losing positions this season, which, of course, was against West Brom, the free kick from Ben Barrett and Diaz. That 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 still is a little bit of a concern, isn't it, Ryan? That, that as you said earlier, right at the top of the show, 1-0 to Blackburn Rovers seems to be the order of the day, which which gets the, the three points for the opposition. Yeah, that is a concern, Elliot. And and it's been that way all season, hasn't it? You know, we've lost games 1-0 at the start of the season and it's been the thing that's plagued us right through. And if we're not going to make the top six, I think it'll be the thing that we look back on. Um, plenty of 1-0 defeats this season where had that been a 0-0 or a 1-1, you know, those points are absolutely valuable. And if we're not going to make the top six, I don't think we'll miss out by much. And you could probably pinpoint the games, things like Coventry. Cardiff, Wigan, Coventry, Birmingham, you know, they're all there, aren't they? So it is a concern because the biggest concern for me when you can't come from behind is actually the two-legged playoff tie because mm. we know that playoff ties, they go up and down, they go back and forth and you've got to have, to coin Ian Dowie, that bounce-back ability within those games, haven't you? Because if you haven't got it, it becomes a very routine playoff tie for the team that's gone 1-0 against you because you just know you can go 1-0 up, maybe 2-0 up, and then it's done and dusted because Rovers aren't coming from behind. So we do need to address it um, because there are still going to be twists and turns between now and the end of the season. At Ewood Park, we might well go 1-0 down to a side before the season ends. And as fans, the 12th man, you know, we've seen it over the years in the championship, those moments, the 12th man element that the fans bring, they can get you over the line. If as a fan base, we don't feel like we're going to come from behind and it's not looking likely, then again, it becomes very easy for the opposition at Ewood Park just to see that game out and win 1-0. I would suppose that the problems have been more away from them, haven't they? You would say, mm. although it wasn't coming from behind against Reading, they did do that. Yeah, and away from yeah away from home, apply that into the two-legged playoff tie again as well. If we come fifth or sixth, we're going to be away from home second, aren't we? That's how it will work. So that becomes difficult. Say we've drawn nil-nil at Ewood Park or we've only got a one-nil win against someone in our home leg in the first two games. When we then go away from home and we fall down one-nil or two-nil or whatever, are we coming back? Well, probably not based on what's happened through the season. And again, you know, our chances of then making a player final are very slim. So I do think we need to sort it out. I think it's an element of team talks, which is very easy for opposition managers because like what Birmingham did, they just know, keep plugging away because whilst this game is nil-nil, you've got a chance. And if we get the goal first, we're likely going to win it. I think that's really easy to manage. I think that's really easy for a player, an opposition player to play against because you know that Rovers have got that soft belly. Where there's other sides this season, particularly the sides at the top of the division, you know, maybe teams like Middlesbrough, Luton, Sheffield United over the course of this season... You still want to feel, you know, you'd still feel anxious even going 1-0 up against sides like that because you know they're going to come roaring back. So I do think we need to sort it out. It is a concern and it is a worry. And 
to make the top six this season, we do need to pick up some points. I think probably at least one win, I would say, on the road to allow us to hit the top six this season. We might go 1-0 down away at Huddersfield. We might go 1-0 down away at Preston. We might go 1-0 down away at Millwall. And we might need something in some of those games. So we have to show that bounce-back ability. And I think when you look at sides that have gone up, when you look at the DNA of a side to make the top six, coming from behind in games is one of those core facets, I'm afraid. Just to reinforce your point with some stats, yeah, Middlesbrough have taken the most points from losing positions. They've been behind 20 times this season. They've taken 21 points from those deficits. Burnley, even better record, although less points. They've only been behind 10 times, but they've taken 18 points from that point. Next is Swansea, who aren't really in and around it. Sunderland, who've had a good season. Reading, surprisingly, but they have been behind more than anyone else 27 times. And then Stoke City, that have got 12 points from 24 uh, opportunities to get points back. So a few teams in that top uh, top bracket that are in and around Rovers that have managed to do that. I suppose the positive, Ryan, ultimately, is looking at the league table, not a lot has yeah. changed. Only two of the top nine won. That was Sheffield United and Luton Town, neither of which is a, a huge worry to Rovers, really, because I think Luton are pretty secure in getting fourth place, in my opinion, personally. So Millwall, they drew at West Brom. Norwich were beaten. Coventry were beaten. Um, Preston, I suppose, are starting to creep up a little bit. I suppose that the positive is ultimately this was a let-off and a warning. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> Which is why I'll bring you back to my parenting thing that I said. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed that we've lost the opportunity. But do you know what? Let's dust ourselves down and really target that Norwich game now. Because, yeah, as you say, it's been damage limitation. But... Oh, what could have been, you know, just look at where we could be sitting now. What would it be? Seven points clear of, of Norwich and then you beat Norwich and you go 10 points clear of Norwich. You know, that starts to feel like top six is looking more likely than not. So just puts a bit of pressure now on that Norwich game. Um, you could say unnecessary pressure, uh, if you want to call it that, with with the way that we've lost that game away at Birmingham. But we knew that this Norwich game was going to be big anyway. It's just given Norwich an incentive now. Rather than staring down the barrel of going 10 points adrift of us, they're now staring down the barrel of, oh, if we beat Rovers, we're only one point behind them. So it's just put some pressure on that game. Um, so that's why it's a disappointing element. But as we've said all along, it's all in our own hands. And I said on a previous podcast, maybe two ago, that I've got the end of the season split into two phases, one which you would coin the, inverted commas, easier phase, and the other which is, okay, if we mess that up a little bit, it's still within our own hands against some tougher opponents and rivals in and around us. Hopefully we can pick up the points in this easier, inverted commas, phase. It's not an easier phase for the record. It's just on paper it might be. If we can get minimum eight points, from these next four games. Um, I think that that would be a really good return for us. Obviously, dream ticket stuff would be 10 or even 12 points, but I'd suggest that that's unlikely. Not many teams in the championship win three games in a week, for example, which we're going to be playing over the course of, of this Easter weekend. So um, let's see how we get on. But the Norwich game's massive. We knew it was going to be massive. It's just had a little underline of massive with the result away at Birmingham.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go on to next week's Easter fixtures, Ryan, a few off-the-field things that have happened in the last fortnight. Basically, everyone signed a new contract at Blackburn Rovers, which is <laughs> really good news. Really good that, that those talks have been going on behind the scenes and five new deals were announced over the international break since we last spoke. Jake Garrett, Hayden Carter and Scott Walton all tied down until 2027 and Jordan Eastham and Joe Hilton tied down until 2025. Both of their contracts, the goalkeepers, were up in the summer. Um Carter and Wharton uh, were 2024, and I think Garrett was 2025, so that's more of a reward to reflect his new status as more of a first-team player. Your first and initial thoughts on on a pretty productive period for Blackburn on that front? Oh, it's fantastic. Um, Our academy and this crop of lads and the future lads that we'll have coming through the squad, they are the lifeblood of Blackburn Rovers going forward. With where we find ourselves as a club now, you know, over the last 10 years, you know, removing ourselves as an established Premier League side into now, you know, a championship side that has mid to lower end of revenue generation within the championship. This academy and these lads are the lifeblood. So to get them tied down to these longer contracts to generate value within this squad is so important for us because we just cannot allow what has happened, particularly with Dara Lenahan, to happen ever again. You cannot have a lad that's come through your academy 250 appearances or whatever it was, captain of the side to leave on a free. That is just devastating. As business models and and all of that go, that is just not acceptable for, for Rovers to operate competitively at championship level. So now we are generating value in this squad. I stand by the fact that Rovers going forward, like we used to do in the Premier League, actually, our success will be built on really smart player trading. And now we've got these lads tied down to these contracts. We have got some strong cards to play in the tra- in the player trading game. So let's say Hayden Carter goes from strength to strength and has a worldy season next season as well. And then Premier League sides are knocking on the door and saying, actually, yeah, we like the look of Hayden Carter. Instantly, we can command a good transfer fee for him. And that transfer fee that we then generate obviously then goes into the future kind of sustainability and lifeblood of the club. So getting these lads tied down on these contracts is really important because why have a Category 1 academy? Why Venkis funding it in the way that they have if we're not going to tie it up with this element as well? So hats off to Greg Broughton, hats off to everyone off the pitch that's made this happen and spotted the fact that we've got some players who were at risk of falling the way that Daryl Enahan did. And I think there's probably a couple more that we need to get signed up, which you'll probably come on to at the moment. But you've got to say, 
I'm really happy with the status of contracts in the squads now and just allows us that if we do need to sell one, we know we're going to get a good fee now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Tying these players up does not mean we're going to keep them until 2027. And I think that's good. Like you need you need that fluidity in, in player sales, as you said. If players go on to bigger and better things, so be it. Rovers know where they are in the food chain, but they're going to be well compensated for it. And that's the most important thing. They're currently in talks with Tyrese Dolan to get him tied down. His contract is up in 2024, but the club do have an option for 12 months, so really 2025. And given the way that he's shown flashes that he might be able to step into the breach of Ben Brereton Diaz on that left of the attack next season, I'd like to get that deal done. Carter was the big one for me to get him tied up because I think he has got every facet in his game to be a modern-day centre-back. He's really good on the ball. He can be tactically flexible. Um, and I think he defends very well as well. He, he's he definitely grown in stature. I've interviewed him a few times this season, and certainly we did it on Thursday. Obviously, after signing his new deal, he looks bigger, like visually bigger, as well as speaking a little bit more confidently. He looks like he's bulked up a little bit, and I think you can see that on the pitch. The interesting ones come with some of the more slightly senior players. You've got Ainsley Pears now. I don't see how Ainsley Pears or and Thomas Kaminsky are at Blackburn Rovers beyond the summer. Because there's clearly going to be a battle between the two of them until the end of the season. If you're Thomas Kaminsky, are you going to want to stay if you're number two for the rest of the season? That'll be interesting. If you're Ainsley Pears, your contract's up in 2024. Are you going to sign a new deal if Rovers aren't going to make you number one? Probably not, because you've done enough to justify you're good enough to play at championship level as a number one. Equally, that's not a bad thing from Rovers' point of view, because Kaminsky's a sellable asset. Pairs they either need to give a new deal to or sell in the summer. Another sellable asset, you know, he's worth way more now than he was six months ago. So that's not a horrendous situation to be in, but I don't really see how both of them are at the club next season, in my opinion. Then you've got JRC, whose contract is up in 2024. I've tried to get a bit of clarity on whether he has a one-year extension. I haven't had anything back concrete on that, so I have to assume that that is just 2024 at the moment, but I can't say for certain. And then Sam Gallagher as well is 2024, but he does have an option till 2025. In terms of this season, uh, Bradley Dack is up in 2023. He's got an option, but obviously on quite high terms at the moment. And Daniel Ayala is up in 2023. Would you give either of those two a new deal? Uh, let's start with Bradley Dack because it's just the one that's full of emotion, isn't it? And yeah. when you just look at how Rovers play without... Bradley Dack in the side. And when you see what someone like Sam Smodic has brought, I think you can make a case for not renewing Bradley Dack's contract now. And I hate talking like that because he has been a beacon of light, you know, for the last few years, you know, that League One season and, and all the pain that came with relegation. Bradley Dack has been nothing short of sensational for Rovers, um, definitely before his injuries. And what he's then done off the pitch um, you know, during the pandemic and all of those things to keep the fans engaged and all of those things in the Rover store with, with Brereton Diaz and all of that type of stuff. He's just been a, a remarkable person for Rovers. But I think I do just find myself now with the wages that he commands and some of the areas of the pitch that we, we do need to, to strengthen. What could we do with Bradley Dax wages? And, and that makes me really sad because I've really enjoyed watching him. But with the age that he's at now, is it worth the risk? For me, there is still no one better in the six-yard box in the Rovers squad at the moment that if there is a chance falling in that box, I want it falling to Bradley Dack. But that can't be the only reason to keep him. 
It's got to be, you know, the overall style of play, the JDT system and blueprint that we've been talking about. That stuff that we saw away at Leicester, sadly, Bradley Dack was commentating in the stands with Brereton Diaz. Like, so this is just some of the football stuff that we need to address. So if funds are tight and we choose not to renew it, then so be it. But he will go absolutely with just maximum respect and maybe a few tears in my eyes because I've just really enjoyed watching him. Daniel Ayala, um, I think I would not do a renewal. Um, We have just spoken about, though, about the central midfield area and how having experienced championship performers for a young squad, if that's the profile that we're going for now, they are worth their weight in gold. But actually, when you look at Dom Hyam, you know, he is the one that can pick up that mantle of experienced championship performer and and pick that up from Daniel Ayala. So again, with the wages that he commands, actually with the amount of minutes that he can play in a season, he is a very expensive player in that regard. So if the saving, especially off Daniel Ayala, but maybe with Bradley Dack, might get a Tyrese Dolan contract over the line, might allow us to, I don't know, go and sign Sorba Thomas permanently or something along those lines, then... I think I'm leaning towards both of them not signing the contract. But Bradley Dack in particular, that is with such a heavy heart because, as I say, he's still a fox in the box. I wouldn't give Daniel Ayala a new deal because I think his fitness is too much of an issue. I think they've got other options at centre-back. I think Dom Hyam is that leader and he will start every single game. He's fit for me. I think Hayden Carter right now, you can't say, why would he not start every game? And yeah. Scott Wharton, again, is someone who's had a bit of a dip in form, but let's not forget that he can be a very important player for Blackburn Rovers as well. So those three, for me, are pretty established. And I think that they've got more depth in terms of experience in that area than in central midfield, where you're literally talking about well, two teenagers and Morton, who's just turned 20. So for me, I wouldn't give Ayala a new deal. He's on a lot anyway. And even on reduced terms, for me, I think there's better options out there to go and get a fourth-choice centre-back in or something of that ilk. With Bradley Dack, I would probably give him a new deal on reduced terms, but I don't think he'd accept the terms that Rovers would want either because he's missed a lot of football. He'll want to be somewhere where he's guaranteed to play and he just won't... I, I wouldn't be able to offer him that as Blackburn Rovers. I wouldn't be able to offer him the same wages he's on currently. And so unless he's desperate to stay at Rovers at Ewood Park and accept that, it might it probably would be better for everyone if he moved on. And if I was Bradley Dack, I probably wouldn't want to accept that either because I'd want to get the most out of the rest of my career after having missed two years. So I would offer him a deal, but it's got to be on the, those terms and I don't think he would take that personally. So that, that's where I am with that. And I think that's what I was getting at. You know, the, the type of contract is, you know, we're, the contract that he will want, we're not going to offer him, which is why I'm not going to offer him the contract that he would want. Mm. You know, essentially, I think the money that we would need to offer him for him to stay could be spent. I don't even elsewhere. think it's money necessarily. I think he would reduce his terms. I think it's more about the guarantee of regular minutes. Yeah. And as you say, with the football miss, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Um I, I just think you just look at the Leicester performance and look at the Sheffield United performance. You know, these are performances without Bradley Dack on the pitch. And that's not me saying that Bradley Dack is not a good player. He is. I just think it's the way that JDT wants to play. And it's a fluidity issue, isn't it? That's it. That's it. And I'd love for there to be a way that we could play that just allows Bradley Dack to just be in the right place at the right time every single time. But I just don't think that that system is going to allow Bradley Dack to do that without knackering himself out like Sammy Smodich running around on a football pitch does.
Right, Ryan, two massive games coming up for the Easter weekend. This is by far my favourite weekend of the football calendar. I absolutely love the Easter weekend. I know everyone loves Boxing Day and I like the Christmas period too, but this is my absolute favourite because every game in the in the EFL has jeopardy on it. The sun's starting to come back out. You always get good attendances because people are on bank holidays usually. I absolutely love the Easter weekend. Blackburn need a big response. They've got Norwich City on Friday, Good Friday. And if they win, it puts them seven points clear of Norwich with a game in hand. And in my opinion, that all but puts Norwich out of the top six picture. So the reward of winning the game couldn't be greater. On the other hand, if they were to lose, that would put Norwich one point behind Rovers. Albeit, again, Rovers have still got that game in hand. But it is against Burnley, so... And if it can happen in a derby game, but I do think that game in hand is not worth as much as another game in hand would be, which is fair to say, I think. It's a massive game. And we're now at the stage where I think taking points from other teams is almost as important as winning yourself. For example, if you could only beat Norwich or Huddersfield, you beat Norwich every day because that that puts them further behind. We are at that point in the season. From a Norwich point of view, goals have been a big issue for them of late. They were pretty free scoring when David Wagner first came into the club. But now they've not netted in four games. They've lost the last two home games back-to-back. And Rovers, of course, have already beaten them twice this season and to nil. So it's a really big game at Ewood. Hopefully there'll be a good crowd. And it's one of those that, that if you know if Rovers get in the top six, we could look back at the end of the season and be like, that was a pivotal moment. Yeah, and as I said earlier on, before that Birmingham City defeat that we've just reflected on, this game was huge. You know, well, both... The next two home games are huge, aren't they? Um, Actually, no, there's one in between. Coventry and Norwich are two massive home games, and we knew that already. But with that disappointment away at Birmingham, this is even bigger now. As you say, the fact it is that bank holiday and the fantastic ticket offer that the club has put on, we really need to get Ewood Park rocking on Good Friday and show this young group of players that we're still fully behind them, that it was just a setback, a little bump in the road, as JDT said it was, back to Fortress Ewood on Friday, get the job done against Norwich and really be looking at that table, hopefully by 5pm on Friday and thinking, yeah, we're in a really strong position here. I do think Norwich are going to come and be confident um, just because of all the stuff that we've been talking about already on this pod. Norwich come to Ewood Park and get the first goal. They know they're sat on something quite strong there. So I do think Norwich are, I think they're going to, come and be actually quite positive about the game. I think they're going to try and hit us early on because they've seen us do that to other teams as well. And they've got the players to hurt us as well. So I am expecting a really fast start from Norwich, but then I do think the game might just go into something quite tight, something quite cagey. And I think when I look back on previous seasons where Rovers have been flirting with the playoffs and things like that, it's how we turn those cagey games that end in draws into the wins that get us over the line. That's been the missing part for me under Tony Mowbray as well. You know, we just saw too many draws and obviously we had the run without wins and that type of stuff. We're like in that danger zone part of the season where we have to, I would suggest that we have to beat at least one of Norwich and Coventry. And then obviously we, we then need to get the routine home win against Hull, for example, done as well. So yeah, it's going to be a a cagey affair in the end, but I I think Norwich are going to gun for us. I really do. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. And then Easter Monday, we go to Huddersfield, early kickoff on Sky. That suddenly looks like a much tougher fixture than than it was before the weekend. Neil Warnock doing Neil Warnock-style things. They beat Middlesbrough 4-2 at the weekend. Huddersfield scored 11% of their season goals in 20 minutes. 
just craziness. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how Warnock does it. I just it's just beyond comprehension now. I do it? think they'll stay up. I think Reading are going to go down. Mm. I think they'll lose the six points, and I think they'll go down. And I think there's lots of reason for Huddersfield to feel positive now. You know, they've just had the little change of ownership, or well, not little change of ownership. It's massive for them with with where they were heading towards in in terms of their financial future. Neil Warnock, you know, if he can keep them up, you know, they've got lots of reasons to feel optimistic next season. So you're absolutely right. This all of a sudden is a really tough game. It was a tough game without Neil Warnock because where Huddersfield find themselves, we talk about this all the time in the championship. Who would you prefer to play? A rival who's in and around you or someone down at the bottom scrapping to stay up. And the ones who are scrapping to stay up are often the harder games to play. So add in that Neil Warnock factor, add in the Middlesbrough win that they've just had really tough fixture and you and I were chatting just before we started recording this our record at the John Smith Stadium is not great and I was there for our last win which was nearly 10 years ago so that's just bonkers yeah 2014 the last time Rovers won there me and Ryan were going through the starting 11 um Ryan got what did you get about I think you got about eight of that starting 11 I did yeah yeah Yeah, did well if anyone can beat that without cheating it was the uh, 4-2 win at the John Smith in 2014 if you can name more than seven or eight of the starting 11 tweet us at inside Brockle let us know score prediction time Ryan I'm gonna go I think they'll beat Norwich they're gonna win 1-0 against Norwich it's gonna be really tight and scrappy and they're just gonna get over the line in the Ewood sunshine but I do think they'll draw at Huddersfield and I think they'll drop points away from home on the telly so I'm going for a 1-0 win against Norwich one all at the John Smith Stadium. I am just going to be different to you because I was leaning towards 1-0 at home to Norwich. So I'm just going to be different. Uh, I'm going to say 2-0. I'm going to say that. Um, as I say, I think Norwich are going to come and be positive and I think they're going to try and get us. And I think we'll ride that little wave. Then I think we'll get our foothold on the game. And then I do think we'll get the job done in the second half going towards the Blackburn end. Two second half goals. So I'm going to say 2-0 in that one. Huddersfield, I don't know why I put myself going through to Huddersfield every time because just apart from that Jordan Rhodes hat-trick, I've just got bad memories of the John Smith. So I think you're right to look towards the pessimistic. But do you know what? I'm just going to say we're going to do it. I think we're going to get a 1-0 win away from home. I'm going to go positive. I'm going mad over Easter weekend. I've lost the plot. You really are. I've lost the plot. Easter egg crazy, you've got. So, 1-0 Rovers, but I think you're right to reflect that we might well drop points. But again, I just want to be different to you, so I'm going to say 1-0 Rovers. We'll round off now, Ryan, with our I got one of them, but then another one podcast. I can't make the whole thing away, stick, so uh, you're going to have to put me out my misery. How did you do on last week's? Did you get them? So I think that's Tony Cars. So they were. So I can't make this um, stick because Digi, basement, a joint so and a mode seller, I'm thinking Scott Sellers, but I can't work out why it's Correct. Scott Sellers. And that place has a basement. So why? I, how is it Scott Sellers? No, uh, it, it was Scott got, Sellers. It's got that's it. So. No, no marks for me on that one because that was just a uh, punt in the dark. I think it's meant to be no it's got it was right. So is, that's a is, one out is, of two. Yeah, is is the uh, yeah. Well, you you got yeah. It will give you one and an asterisk. Um, this week's Rovers riddle is it's just one, but it's a bit of a limerick rather than there's <laughs> okay. 
Um, right, so this week's one is, he's a striker, skilled with his feet. Go to his Dublin surname's and you come a field back with horses You know, what's going on? His first name is short, like a gentle tap. Put them together and you've got the chap. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, yeah, that's the, the influence on me. So we've got a limerick for this week rather than two. So if you think you know what that is, tweet us at Inside Brockle and we'll review with Ryan next week if he's managed to decode that beautifully put together uh, piece of literature. Uh, and that rounds off this week's Inside Brockle podcast. Thank you as always for listening. Make sure you are subscribed in your chosen podcast app. And make sure you do follow us on Twitter at Inside Brockle. We're up and running on all platforms, so make sure you subscribe, whether that's in Apple, Google, or any other platforms that you choose to use. Have a great week. Enjoy Easter, and hopefully we'll be back next week to reflect on six points for Blackburn Rovers. Have a great week.